shout of praise and a clap offering. He's so good, isn't he? Oh, it's good to be in church today. Oh, I want to ask you a really, really important question as you take your seats. I'm going to ask you a really key question that will help you in your life this week. Here it is. What limits shall we limit and which limit shall we unlimit? What limit are you going to say, I am stopping obeying that limit? And what limit are you going to say, you know what, I think I need to stay in that boundary? It's a really important way of looking at life. You see, there are some things that are good to limit because the excess that that would happen causes actually a bondage in your life. Some people who say, oh, freedom, 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 actually are in bondage by the things that they have allowed as excess in their life. But there are some things that we absolutely need to break off our lives that are like, I had this kind of picture in my mind of this, this kind of wall over some people's head, that this limiter that they need to break off their lives. So let me ask you this question. This is really key. This question, I want you to run with it throughout this day. What limits do you need to break off your life? And what limits do you need to say, you know what, I need to step inside that limit. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by slavery. We have been talking about virtues over the, over the summer. There isn't another church in the UK speaking about virtues at the moment. We're being totally countercultural. And what you will understand is, is that you are going to agree with most of the things that I say. You're going to say, yeah, that's a good thing. But listen, our point is, in preaching these things, we've put the slide on the screen, guys. Our point of, the, of doing these things is to deepen your discipleship. I want you to have a, rather than just agree, I want you to think to yourself, how can I go deeper into this? So are you with me, church? Are you ready to kind of listen alongside with me? Modesty as a virtue is a life that knows which limits to bring and which limits will bring real freedom and which so-called freedoms will bring real bondage. The virtue of modesty draws the right limits in our lives. Modesty really is living within, win, within limits. Modesty says there are some things that are good and some things that are not so good. And I am not too big for somebody else to point that out to me. A modest person isn't somebody who mindlessly accepts authority and just says, well, what anybody says to me, I just accept. But a modest person is somebody who says, I am convicted that there are some correct limits in life. 
I'm convicted that there are some boundaries that I need to stay in between. Modesty actually sets its own boundaries from a healthy self-view. There is a, a modest person is somebody who is healthy about themselves and therefore can, can begin to set their boundaries in a way that doesn't limit their freedom but actually makes their life more focused. You see, in our world today, we have made words like modesty something that it's not. Modesty is an approach to life and a wisdom about life and about what might be good or what might be harmful. We've made it something else. We've made it something of repression. And particularly in our city where particular religions dress in a certain way, when they call that modesty, that it becomes repressive, particularly on certain genders or on female genders. And we've made it something that it's not. You know, in preaching in India, I, I uh, not this time, but last time that I went, um, in certain platforms that you go to, it's their custom that in order to preach, you take off your shoes. And uh, so, you know, in order to do that, I, you have to make sure, by the way, that your socks haven't got holes in them when you preach in India. Because that's a little bit embarrassing when they say, oh, if you take off your shoes, you know. And, uh, you know, the thing about India is, it's got wild animals, now, in Britain, we don't really have wild animals, do we? I mean, the most wild animal we have is a squirrel. And it will give you a nasty bite. You know, they say, now, there'll be some of you who are really English here saying, we have wolves, Pastor Mark. I have never seen a wolf. I've seen wolves, and they're not that good of a football team, but uh, although they did quite well last year. But, you know, we've got rubbish, you know, like we've got a robin redbreast. Well, in India, they've got, uh, I nearly said lions, they've got tigers, elephants, they've got snakes. They have snakes, one bite, you're out. And you know from some of the countries that you come from that our wild animals are tame over here compared to yours. Well, I was preaching India, and I've got my, you know, I've got this in the back, back of my mind, they've got wild animals here. And I've got my sh shoes off, and as I'm preaching... I feel this sting right in my big toe. And I think, I've been bitten by a snake. And then I thought, you know, as I'm preaching, I'm thinking, what a great martyr I could be. This could be a great testimony. Despite the poison coursing through my veins, the Holy Spirit kept me. And I was able to preach and to continue. And whatever poison comes against me, in Jesus' name, I stood tall. And I'm working hard up here. And you guys are not impressed at all. You know, I'm thinking, what a great testimony this is going to be. And so I'm thinking, a snake's got me. And I'm thinking to myself, and then I look down, and there's a, you know, they've got flowers in front of the stage. And there's a pin hanging off the end of my big toe. It's not a snake at all, it's a pin. I felt so deflated. <laughs> See what I did there, pin, deflated. Anyway. We've made modesty into the snake that it isn't. We've made things like drawing boundaries into something that it isn't. Because actually, the way that we set what is right and wrong has now changed. In fact, it's gone. Our culture sees the word modesty as something as repression... And we need to be able to set the balance right again between 
something that's a celebration of you in God. Something that is a celebration of what you need to bring to God. Let's just look at some principles of how we find what I want to say is the wisdom of life of living modestly. First of all, would you please turn with me to a key scripture? Now, you know this scripture, and because you know it so well, I actually want you to turn to it and look at it with your eyeballs. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Many of you could quote it, but would you please turn there because I want you to look at a particular phrase. Modesty has the correct life orientation. It draws a posture of us being continually offered to God. Let's look at Romans 12. Will you look at it with me? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, in view of that tremendous thing that God has done on the cross, keep that in mind of what God has done for you. Look at this phrase, though. Look at this. Offer your bodies. Offer your bodies as a, what type of sacrifice? Living. Living. Now, most sacrifices are dead. When you put them on the altar, they're dead. So Paul is making a particular point about how we have to continually keep our bodies in a posture of orientation towards God. That they are kept before him as a sacrifice continually. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That as you orientate your body and your life, Towards God as a sacrifice, but that's not a dead thing. You're doing it as a living thing, so that's a continual orientation. As you do that, that's real worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't think like they think. There are different ways to think. You have to challenge the way that the world thinks. Then... When you've allowed different thoughts to come into your mind that are shaped by God and not pressed into a mold by the world, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Not only will you be able to find out God's will, you'll be able to test, is this God's will in this situation? His good and pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment, a balanced judgment, a judgment that says there are some freedoms and there are some limits. It's a sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. There's lots in that scripture, isn't there? And we could, we could preach a whole series on that. But listen, this is what I want to highlight. Your body is important. And it's something that God is interested in. He says, bring your body as a living sacrifice. Your body is meant to be a living sacrifice. That means continually kept before God. This flesh and bone is continually, you say, God, 
is this body, which represents my whole life, but it is this body, is that pleasing you? It's orientated to give God honor. Am I honoring you with my body? You see, your body finds its significance in being a living sacrifice to God. So in a practical way, you have to start off by asking God, are you pleased, are you honored by my appearance, by my use of my body? Are you pleased, God, with that? You see, let me deepen this a little bit and and have a little walk through some of the principles that the Bible says about modesty and how it comes at life through the Bible. First of all, in the Scriptures, modesty is there to protect the intimate, to protect that which should be private to ourselves. Some see modesty as this patriarchal, like men handing down a repression over women, but actually, God wants to protect that which is yours. That which was always meant to be yours. It helps us to save sexual arousal until the proper time. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7 says, uh, do, you not, do not arouse love or awaken its desires before its proper time. Modesty is the dignified celebration of your own privacy. It says that some things are just between you and God and for you. You see, modesty also accepts that, we, that our bodies live in community. And, and therefore, like our speech, the things that we say, our mood, the things that we project, the things that we do, we, can, we have to accept that because we live in community, that even though what others do don't determine what, how we are completely, but the way that we dress or act and the way that we are, the way that we speak, the way that we project can have an effect on the spiritual state of others and around us just by how we are. Now, let me quickly say something, and I want to hear a big amen from the men and the women here. Let me quickly say, however, that no matter how someone dresses, you are responsible for your sexual behavior. We cannot blame the way someone is dressed for your behavior. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You cannot say, oh, because he was dressed like that, I just couldn't help myself. Or because she was dressed like that, I just couldn't help myself. Do you agree with me, church? You know, the lack of and the absence of modesty in one party does not excuse the lack of restraint in another party. Think, think of Potiphar's wife. Think of Joseph. Joseph was in her chambers and she says, come to bed with me. What did he do? He ran away. Her lack of modesty... And her lack of restraint was no excuse about his behavior. So, so don't let's hear that, that kind of excuse. Oh, well, it's because the way that they dress. It's not that. You see, I don't know whether ever, any of you have ever seen the Diet Coke advert where the women line up, where the man is uh, doing the lawnmower and he takes his shirt off. And Have you seen that? Uh, anybody? Uh, take that out of your mind right now. Okay, because you don't need a Diet Coke break. Jesus put it this way. 
In Matthew chapter 5, he says this, But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And actually, the way that it's written, you know, it's got a double meaning in the original language because it actually means that the, the one who wants to lust, but also the one who wants to be lusted after is also forbidden. So if you look at a woman and say, check me out, Jesus is saying, no, that's not. But if you're looking at someone and saying, checking you out, that's not. You see, what Jesus is saying is is that our modesty creates limits about what we allow in our spirit. Amen, church? You see, we have to examine the way that we want to be noticed. We have to examine the way that we want to be sought after. We've got to reflect and say, why do I want to see, be seen in the way that I want to be seen? You see, throughout the Bible, after the fall, Adam and Eve were naked innocently. But after the fall, public nudity in the Bible is always seen as a negative thing. After the fall, uh, when Adam and Eve are exposed, they didn't know they were naked, and, and God points it out for them, they felt shame. Noah, uh, with his sons, his sons kind of walk backwards into the cave because they don't want to see their dad naked. I actually think I would never want to see my dad naked, wrinkly old thing that he was. You know, and you know, when you see that David's men are exposed and uh, they are attacked and they are uh, left exposed, that that's a, a negative thing. You see, Paul picks up on this theme, and you can turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 23, he says, And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat them with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, with wise limits, with discretion, with things that say, hey, my freedom does not have to be expressed. You see, Culturally today, the main idea is you have to express yourself to be free. The Bible says we honor God to be free. And as we express ourselves before God, that's the right expression. You see, some things are simply private. Your mother called them private parts because... They're private. I kind of worry a little bit about where our Facebook generation's going. I just wonder about all the two-year-olds and three-year-olds when they get to about 21 that they turn around to their parents going, you know what, I don't really want you to share to the whole world my tantrum in the shop. I don't really want to have my birthday on view for everybody. That I wonder whether or not we're going to rob everybody of their privacy. I don't know how it's going to play out. But what I do think is, is that there are some things about our lives that should be private. Now, if you cook a great meal and you post it on Facebook, that's fine. Okay? I like looking at your food. Not. Okay. Modesty embraces the biblical warning that we should refrain from sensuality. The main thing about our culture is express yourself. Don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't let it all come out. 
You see, I believe Christians should be an island of love rather than a love island. I think Christians should be an island where love and sacrifice is, and people can come to that for refreshment. I don't know whether or not the culture of Love Island, where everything hangs out, is really which brings freedom. In fact, can I quote to you the Bible in Romans 13, verse 13, that says, Let us behave decently as in daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, nor in sexual immorality and debauchery, nor in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. In the New Testament, sensuality was the distinguishing mark of the culture. I believe we've gone back there. It was the pagan idea that this is what freedom is. And I think it's really important for us to ask ourselves, what are we expressing? When we say, I just want to express myself, well, what are you expressing? Are you expressing the living sacrifice that God wants you to express, that celebrates you and honors him? But what are we expressing? You see, modesty demonstrates that we've got to offer to people more than good looks and sex appeal. Now, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that were aimed towards women, but I think it, it, it encompasses a really important point for all of us. Would you go there with me? Turn with me in the Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and follow along with me, and then we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Paul says this, I also want women to dress modestly, within limits, within wise limits with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess worship to God. Go over to Peter with me, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes, Rather, this is the key point for all of us, rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is great worth in the sight of God. Now, I don't believe that this is an argument for looking dowdy or not smart or not fashionable. Modesty does not mean dour and miserable dress. You know, as, as a person, I, I have resisted buying sandals as a Christian all of my life. And I've finally given in. In, in Mumbai, the weather was so, it, it was pouring it down. Have you, you know, I've been praying for a monsoon of the Spirit. Life interrupting rain on our lives. It was so wet. I ruined my trainers. I've ruined my shoes. I've had to resort to buying sandals. I looked at those sandals and thought, finally, after all these years, I am a real Christian. I just now can't bring myself to wear socks with them. Bad fashion is just bad fashion, it's not a statement of spirituality. 
being modest doesn't mean that you have to be somebody who looks like they've dressed in a sack in order to make them feel that they're holy enough. Whatever your fashion is, enjoy it. If you can't match colors, fine. Enjoy you. If you want to put your greens, yellows, pinks, blues, whites, and cerises, and whatever other color you can think of together, do it. It's fine. It's you. Well, the Bible is actually making a deeper point here. And it's the point that we have to keep the balance on the importance of our appearance or trying too hard to be noticed. Will you grab the attention of others by your sexy clothes or by the presence of Christ in you? Or by your Christ-like character? It's really a matter of where the importance you lies, of where you place what importance upon the right thing? Shall you place it on the inner development of your character or the outer development of the message you want to send to the world? You see, immodest dress simply says to the world, I'm not sure I have anything but this to offer. What you see is really what you get. And for actually for a Christian... There should be far more on the inside than the outside. Can I hear an amen, church? Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't have good clothes and good fashion and all the rest of it. Fashion's in the eye of the beholder anyway. So I kind of think that the Bible walks us through and leaves us in a place of this. Can you place your life on a living altar to God? And can you do orientate your life continually to Him? And can you develop the inside and celebrate Him on the outside? It's too many Christians, too dour. You know, I grew up in a church where they probably had a 50-point checklist of what you're supposed to wear and what you're not supposed to wear. And there's no list of what you're supposed to do about how to be modest in the scriptures. And churches that have sought to do that have produced their list and often they're out of date and non-applicable. But you know, there are some practical things that I run through in my mind that help me make some modest things in my life. Remember that modesty is living within wise limits. And modesty isn't just about how we dress. And, you know, can I just make a pause here? I am talking to both men and women today, aren't I? Can I hear an amen, church? Come on, don't don't just listen. You see, listen along with me. You see, what I'm trying to do in these messages is deepen your commitment to Christ and your discipleship and actually give you a thought about our culture so that you can live closer to Christ. I don't want you to just nod and say, oh, I agree with everything you've said. I want you to deepen something in your life. And one of the things that modesty teaches us is to begin to deepen what our character's like and our spirit's like as we look at, well, what limits have I not accepted? What limits should I accept? There's some practical things and decisions that help me run through my life. I want you to just remember that modesty isn't just about how you dress. It's about your emotionality too. 
It's about how, what you give your emotions to. Have you ever met those people that every emotion that they have, everybody knows about it? There are some extreme ways of being emotional. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. In fact, what the Bible's really saying is that modesty tries to discern what the appropriate emotion is in a situation. Have you ever met those Christians that when there's a tragedy, they try and cheer everybody up instead of just mourning with people? Have you ever tried, been to a party and there's the Christian who wants to be really serious and talk about theology and you think, man, we're at a party here. Let's rejoice. You see, the Bible says modest people try and read what the situation is and be appropriate and make a, a rich contribution to that. I have three C's that I look at when I think about my modesty and how to be a, a emotionally modest, intellectually modest, and even modest in my dress. The first C is this. I first think about what is the culture of the place that I'm going to? Is that a formal culture? Is that a a younger culture? Is that an older culture? What, what type of culture is that? Is that a work culture? It will help with my appearance. So I always think, what, what's the culture of where I'm going to? I don't need to make a statement about every culture that I go to. The second thing that I go is, I don't need to try and change every culture that I go to either. What's the context of the situation that I'm going to? Is it a party or is it a formal thing? You know, you can always know when there's a Christian barbecue or a church barbecue because somebody always comes in a suit and a tie. They've not read the context. They've heard the word church and they've heard the word get together and they go, ooh, church, I'll put my tie on. And they've forgotten the context. I've been to Sunday school outings where people are dressed up as if they're going to Sunday morning and you think, we're going on the beach. I always try and read the context. Is it a party? Is it a formal situation? But then I always ask myself my third C. What's my conscience say and what's the scripture say? If there's going to be lots of vulnerable adults there, what do I, how do I need to dress? If there's lots of young people there, how do I need to be appropriate around them? So I look at my culture, the context, and I look at my conscience and the scripture. You see, I've got a few guidelines that I ask myself, and I want to pass these on to you. The first guideline I have about modesty is what am I expressing? Is the way that I'm dressed coming across as a celebration of God and a celebration of me? Today, it's a celebration of Marks and Spencer, but you know, that's another story. You know, but what am I expressing? You know, what, what, is it, what, what message am I sending by that? The second guideline that I have is when I look at fashion, I always try to look at what's behind the fashion. And usually, I am very behind fashion, but that's just me. I always try to look at what's behind the fashion. What's the message that it's trying to send? But I do not allow the fashion police to read their bad motives into my innocent ones. I remember being in a church one time and there was a lady and she had I Heart NY. You know, I love New York on her t-shirt. And this doofus of a deacon or whatever he was said, Oh, you shouldn't be loving anything but Jesus. Why do you love New York more than Jesus? I'm thinking, give her a break. It's just a t-shirt. 
It's just a souvenir. She doesn't mean anything by it at all. It just looks cool. Don't let the fashion police read things into your motives that are not there. In fact, if you are part of the fashion police, give your badge in at the door. We don't need you. Because my fashion and your fashion are going to be different. Can you hear an amen, church? So, But I always think, well, what's behind this? Now, conversely, I'll just say it out loud. A t-shirt with FCUK on it, I don't like it. Even though it means French, French Connection, United Kingdom, you and I know that that's a juxtaposo, uh, uh, it's a mix-up of letters that means something else. And it's a message, isn't it? So if you've got FCUK on your T-shirt, don't bring it here. You know, and I'm just trying to be practical here. Thirdly, in my guidelines, I always try and avoid provocative styles that draw attention to the body. I just uh, My first guideline is, what am I expressing? Am I celebrating me? My second guideline is, what does that fashion say? And my third guideline is, I avoid provocative styles that bring attention to the body. You see, when I think of modesty, I just run through my mind some honest questions. And I'm not just talking to women here. I'm talking to men together. So can we just make that really, really clear? Can I hear an amen, men? Okay, can I hear an amen, women? Look at the men and say amen, men. Okay. I ask myself these questions. These are honest questions. I always ask myself, is it too tight? Is it a distraction? Is it an unnecessary temptation? Is it too low cut? And I'm talking to the men as well. Men, we don't want to see your medallion. Please, put it away. Modesty really is a part of discipleship. It's a way of living. Nobody's saying this anymore. What's happening is is that our whole value system has changed. The way that we make our decisions. You say the word modesty to a journalist and they immediately think of repression. They immediately think of Somebody's pushing somebody else down. But scripturally, the Bible says, no, modesty protects. Modesty focuses. Modesty gives you wise guidelines so that you can live in community. Modesty is really a part of discipleship. And I want you to hear the word of the Lord. In fact, would you please turn with me and I'll close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, throughout this talk, can I just ask, is anybody feeling condemned about anything? Because what I've tried to do is teach some Bible, bring some Bible, and then bring some practical. Have you enjoyed the Bible bit? Yeah? Have you enjoyed the bit of the practical bit? Let's hear the word of the Lord. Your body is a temple 
of the Holy Spirit. Your body was bought with a price. Oh, what a price! The precious blood of Jesus Christ. The most precious blood that was ever coursed through any veins was spilled out for you because He loves you and He honors you and He celebrates you and He cares about you and your destiny is important and your life is important and your dreams are important and your body is important and your image is important and everything about you is cherished and loved so much so He said, look at my son my only son that's the only price good enough to pay for who you are that's the God that you serve so why why would I having had such an expensive offering give myself away cheaply why would I project something that's aggressive and non-helpful why would I do that See, you have to honor God from your body. But it's from the mindset that you've set yourself some good limits. And this really matters. It matters because you will feel healthier and in self-control, you will say, I don't feel part of the rat race. I don't feel pressurized by whatever other image everybody else is joining in with. I am in control of myself. And from that greater godly self-worth, you can stand tall and live for Jesus. And the people around you will see an alternative witness than the driven culture that they live in. Let's all stand together, shall we? Let me read that verse to you one more time. Thanks, worship team. Just put your hand on your heart. Just put your hand on your temple. Your body's a temple. Listen to this verse. Isn't this great, church? You know, if you're here and people have made fun of your body all your life or you're not, you know, one of those beautiful people and you'll never appear in friends or whatever, listen to this. Because this is who God thinks you are. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you who you've received from God you are not your own you were bought at a price oh what a price oh what a price church therefore honour God with your body you were bought with an expensive price Don't give yourself away cheaply. Live wisely. Live within the limits and the freedoms that God has for you. In a few moments, I just feel, I've felt it all morning. There are some people that actually need to break off some false limits. 
false limits from people, false limits from their workplace, false limits from their family. I'm going to ask you to come for prayer in a few moments. But I wonder, as people who stand here today with our bodies as temples, this is a temple. stand and worship and say thank you God and let this word deepen you and perhaps begin to think what limits should I break off my life but hey what limits shall you walk in don't worry about the fashion police and don't worry about if somebody doesn't like the way you dress if you dress you know in your multicolored way that's you that's fine if you use makeup man I need more makeup as I get older please somebody help me we need stuff don't worry about it if it helps you it helps you but here's the point are you honoring God and celebrating who you are in Christ not just trying to be noticed. Amen, church. Come on, let's worship him as temples of the Holy Spirit. And I'll call